Thanks, Pete, uh, to reading us from Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to keep our Bibles open there. Why don't we just uh, bow our heads in prayer as we come to God's word this morning. Gracious Father, we thank you that your word shines a light into the darkness and exposes the lies for the truth. And we just pray this morning, Lord, that as we open up your word, you would help those of us, Lord, who have found ourselves hiding in the darkness, that we might be encouraged to hear your voice to come out and to see your face and to hear your word and have our lives transformed. So be with us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're continuing our series on God's calling, and um, we've had some wonderful sermons so far. We've had Moses, Abraham, Paul, we've had Mary, and I was thinking, uh, which, which uh, calling should we go for this morning? And I thought this would be an interesting one, a- an actual moment in scripture where God calls someone and says, where are you? Where are you? It's a great question, isn't it? Where are you? In some senses, it's quite easy to answer. We're in St. Michael's Church in Westcliff-on-Sea. Easy. My postcode is SS08PS. <laughs> That's where I am. But it's, deep, it's a deeper question than that, isn't it? When Jesus asks a question like that, where are you? He's sometimes asking a more spiritual question. Where are you? Are you near to me? Are you far from me? Are you hiding from me? Or are you willing to come and eat with me? Where are you? I've been over this story, must be a hundred times, this story of Adam and Eve, probably familiar to most of us, this famous story of Adam and Eve eating from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And no matter how many times I come to it, I always kind of feel a little bit sorry uh, for Adam and Eve. that they did this one mistake and it seemed to lead to a lifetime, a world of pain and difficulty from there on in. Perhaps some of you have also thought that. But as I came to it this time and I really thought about this calling that the Lord God puts on Adam and Eve's life, I actually think the main problem in this text is not that they made a mistake The main, although that was a problem, the main mistake, the main problem is that they then hid from the Lord. And we're going to unpack that. That actually turns out, I think, to be a bigger problem than the mistake they made. Let's face it, we all make mistakes, don't we? I mean, really, if you're sitting here thinking, I don't think I've made a mistake, maybe I did in 1983 we make mistakes every day every day intentionally and unintentionally I sometimes um, find that someone's upset with me over something I couldn't even remember doing or didn't think at the time that it was anything at all a snubbing uh, an email I said that had the wrong tone a text message Sometimes we make unintentional 
mistakes. Sometimes we make intentional ones, don't we? We know when we're maybe even sticking the knife in a bit. Both intentional and unintentional. And sometimes, even with the unintentional ones, the repercussions end up being way bigger than we ever thought would happen. Like with Adam and Eve, they probably never thought taking that fruit would lead to the crazy mess that happened. Has anyone had that experience where you're, um, you're perhaps doing some washing up and you've just washed up a glass or something or a plate and you're taking it back to, uh, you've dried it, you're taking it back to the cupboard where it belongs and for whatever reason it slips out of your hands and it smashes on the floor. Ever had that experience? Of course you have. You've made that mistake, surely. And even as it's leaving your hand, you're like, oh no, I know exactly what's going to happen. Please, Lord, may it not break. But of course, it smashes. And glass has that crazy property. You think, wouldn't it be nice if it just split in two? Just two nice pieces, put it back together. But sometimes you drop something and it just smashes everywhere. And, um, you're, you know, even days later, you're finding another piece under the cupboard or... And you're just amazed how many pieces and how far it spreads. Our mistakes can sometimes be like that, can't they? Where we just, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. But too late, all this brokenness happens from it. Now, um, what do we do at that point? See, I think what the Lord is going to say to Adam and Eve when they do this is not so much hand on the forehead, you fools. He doesn't do that, does he? He doesn't come storming up to them and, give, and shouts them down, does he? He doesn't come up to them and say, that's it, you've blown it forever for good. What a mess. He asks a question to Adam and Eve. Where are you? Let's just see how Adam and Eve responds. There's so much in this story. We're not going to get so much into... Um, the temptation of Eve and, and how it all goes wrong. But we're going to focus on what their response is. See, Adam and Eve, their first instinct is to cover up the mistake they made. They try and cover up the mistake they made. Imagine that all that glass on the floor. Imagine if what you did is you just got a, a dustpan and brush and you just swept it under the carpet and put the carpet down. Maybe it was, um, I don't know, someone's favourite mug or something. They didn't want someone to find out. So they just swept it under the carpet, disappeared. Adam and Eve try to cover up their mistake. How do they do that? Well, for starters, verse 7, they realise they've made a mistake. And so they sew fig leaves together to cover themselves. Okay, because remember they were naked in the Garden of Eden. That's a sign of that they, they were innocent and they had no shame. And suddenly they feel exposed. Suddenly they feel we need to cover over the guilt and shame we feel about this. So they make fig leaves. They make clothing for themselves and they try to hide. Sort of effectively they're trying to sweep it under the carpet. Now maybe we don't go around making fig leaves for ourselves to cover up our mistakes. But we try all sorts of things, don't we, to cover up our mistakes. Sometimes we might literally sweep it under the carpet, pretend it didn't happen. Other times we might try to put a brave face on something. We might pretend or even lie that we've not done something. Or that the guilt and shame we're feeling on the inside 
doesn't bother me because I've got a smile on my face and I'm going to pretend nothing's wrong. Then, not only do they try and cover up their sins, they then physically hide from the Lord. They hear him coming, and so they say, we're going to hide. Why do they hide? Let's read verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Verse 9, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Listen to his answer, Adam's answer, verse 10. I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. What's Adam and Eve's motivation for hiding? They were afraid. They were afraid of who? The Lord God. It's interesting, isn't it, response? When we make mistakes, our temptation is to think God is going to be terribly angry and reject me. So I'm going to hide. I'm scared of him. We might do that with one another as well. We might hide from someone we think we've hurt or let down or betrayed. And rather than try and make it right, we just distance ourselves from them. Have you ever had that experience? We might just cut them out of our lives. Even if they live in the same household, we can distance ourselves. We can metaphorically or spiritually hide. And we do it because we're afraid. We're afraid that if we face and talk about the truth and what really happened, we will be judged and rejected. And Adam and Eve do that with the Lord. So many of us do that. I can't tell you how many people outside of the church have said to me, I'm not sure I could come back into church. I feel like maybe I've got too much guilt and shame to step back into a church. Or maybe some of you even feel, can I really come to communion this morning? God sees what I've done and maybe I just need to stay where I'm sat and, and hide from him. Because if I come too close, maybe a lightning bolt will strike me. Fear. So we hide. We hide, maybe not, some people literally hide in their houses and close the curtains, but some of us hide just in ourselves, not really connecting with God and with one another anymore. They're scared. But what does the Lord want? See, he doesn't, like we've said, come up to them and say, I know exactly what you've done. Fess up. Caught, red-handed, he asked them a very gentle question. Where are you? Where are you? What does he want them to do? He wants them to come clean. He wants them to confess. He wants them to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I've done something stupid. And I've let you down or I've betrayed you or I went the wrong way, but... I'm not going to hide. Here I am. I've made a mistake. 
What do you think the Lord would say if you did that? If your instinct is, I'm scared to do that because he might reject me, you've got to come and meet Jesus. Jesus never does that, ever. He always says, thank you. Welcome home. Your sins are atoned for. I'll cover over your shame. There is no condemnation for you. That's what he wants Adam and Eve to do. But what does Adam do? He doesn't. Even though he's now stood in front of the Lord, he continues to hide. But not not physically, but spiritually. Look at verse 11. Uh, The Lord says, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree from which I commanded you not to eat? Then the man said, Adam said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. He's doing the blame game. The blame game. He's hiding by blaming others. Oh, now, again, brothers and sisters, this is one that is so common. So common. We always look for mitigating circumstances to why we made a mistake. You know, maybe you dropped that glass and you probably said, well, you know, if it wasn't that the cupboard was so high, I wouldn't have dropped it. Or, I don't know, whatever. But we always sometimes go, yeah, I did make a mistake. But, turns out, not really as bad as it was, because it's your fault. The blame game. We hide behind someone else's mistakes. Or put it in a sort of religious language, we try to justify ourselves. We try to give an excuse which lets us off the hook. That's hiding still, isn't it? That's not the truth. That's still saying, Lord, I'm going to hide this reality from you. And therefore, it cannot be dealt with. If you continue to hide from the Lord. See, the scariest thing about this story is not the mistake. It is the hiding. See, Jesus tells loads of stories about trying to find lost people. Why is the world so lost? Why are we lost? Yeah, partly we might have lost our way innocently, but mostly it's because we are hiding. It's like a cosmic game of hide and seek. The Lord is trying to find us, but we are elusive. And the scariest thing in the Bible, of course God knows where we are. He knows where we are. Can't hide from him. But the scariest thing is when Jesus says, yeah, I know where you are, but because you're hiding from me, I can never know you. I can never know you. You have to come out of hiding for me to know you, for us to deal with the problem, to deal with sin, to deal with the mistakes, and we can be in right relationship forever. Did you know um, the word for atone, atonement in the Bible, means to cover over something? That's the essential nature of atonement, is to cover over something. I love that verse, says that the Lord covers over a magnitude of sins, or love covers over a magnitude of sins. Multitude, not magnitude, multitude of sins. And we've seen that Adam and Eve are trying to atone for themselves, aren't they? They're trying to cover over and hide their sins. 
And the Lord is saying, if you come, stop trying to atone for yourself and cover up yourself, come into my presence, I will atone for your sins. I will cover over your mistakes when I die for you on the cross. See, Jesus doesn't play the blame game. But what he does do is on the cross, he accepts the blame. On the cross, Jesus is prepared to say, I'm not going to blame you lot, Adam and Eve. I'm not going to blame someone else. God, Lord God, blame. If you're going to blame someone, Father, blame me. I'll take responsibility for it all so that I can cover over Adam and Eve's sins and all of ours today. See, not only does Adam blame the woman that was in his life, he actually blames God, doesn't he? The woman you put here with me. See, when we're hiding, we start to actually not just hide from God, we start to blame God. We fear him and we blame him for everything that's going on. And it's the very opposite. It's the very thing that is going to keep you from the Lord. We might try to cover over our sins with good works, religious language, coming to church. But are we angry and are we blaming and are we hiding from the Lord? Verse 9, the Lord God called to them, where are you? Come out of your hiding. It's safe. It's safe. Now, let's just move to verse 12 as we come to the end of this sermon. Because listen to what the woman says. Verse 12, the man said, the woman put you here with me. She gave some fruit tree and ate. Then verse 13, then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the snake deceived me and I ate. Now, at first, I used to think Eve's doing exactly the same thing, the blame game. It's the snake's fault, not mine. But actually, when you look up this quote that turns up in the New Testament as well, actually, we discover that Eve's telling the truth here. She is actually confessing what happened. She was deceived by the snake. And she's owning up to the fact that she ate it. So actually, I think Eve's done quite well here, but much better than Adam. Uh, Eve's actually saying, I was deceived. I've made a mistake and I ate. And then look what the Lord's response is. Does he go, yeah, tut, tut. It's over for you. One strike and you're out. Look what he says. Verse 14. So the Lord God said to the snake, because you have done this, Cursed are you above all livestock and wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. He lays into the evil one, doesn't he? He lays into the serpent and casts him down into the dust. I love that. The Lord protects Adam and Eve. That's his instinct, but goes to town on the enemy. And then look at verse 15. The Lord says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. So between the, the evil ones, the serpent, 
and the woman he's going to put, make them enemies. In other words, the Lord's going to set her free from slavery to this evil person. This character that deceived, this character that led Eve, Adam and Eve into sin, he's now going to set her free. And more than that, he makes a tremendous prophecy about one day, Eve, through you will come a Messiah, a child, a saviour, who will ultimately destroy the evil one and cover over your sins. Isn't that wonderful? So far from her having to sit on the naughty step or atone for her own sins for Adam and Eve, he says, no, 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 I'm going to set you free now. And more than that, I'm going to use you to bring salvation to the world. That's grace, isn't it? Grace is not just not getting what you deserve. It's getting something amazing when you deserve the opposite. The Lord God is so good. I want us just to spend a bit of time in prayer. I'm going to read to you Jesus' words from John chapter 3. You know the most famous verse that we all know off by heart, perhaps? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. But listen to what is said next, after that verse, John 3:17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they've not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil, because we hide. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Brothers and sisters, we need not fear that our evil deeds will be exposed or they will be exposed in the light of Jesus, but he will cover them over. Let's just pray.